Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, sponsored by United Health Group. Today's Tuesday, April 6th. Global economic growth forecasts are up, Yahoo Answers is being shut down, and we're focused on the economic fallout of Georgia's new voting law. Last week, Georgia's state legislature passed a bill that tightens voting requirements, and it was quickly signed into law by Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. For supporters, who are mostly Republicans, this is about voter integrity. For opponents, who are mostly Democrats, it's about voter suppression. For Georgia overall, and Atlanta in particular, it's an economic mess. Major League Baseball, for example, pulled its summer all-star game out of Atlanta, today announcing it'll be held in Denver instead. Big locally headquartered companies like Coca-Cola and Delta were initially threatened with boycotts from voting rights advocates for not speaking out in opposition to the law. Then once those companies did come out as critics, they became the subject of boycott rhetoric from the right, including by President Trump. Three things to know about the bill, which runs over 90 pages long. First, it does make voting more difficult for Georgians, particularly those in cities. For example, there will be fewer drop boxes allowed, and those drop boxes can no longer be located outdoors, where they were able to be accessed 24-7 during last year's election. Two, some of the proposed voting restrictions didn't make the final bill, including ones to end Sunday early voting and no-excuse absentee voting. Three, these new rules come after an election cycle in which Georgia experienced record turnout, but no credible allegations of widespread voter fraud. So today we want to speak with Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, a Democrat, about corporate reaction to the law, how it's impacting Atlanta's economy, and what she sees happening next. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. Mayor Lance Bottoms, it took a couple days for some big Georgia businesses to come out with their reactions to this law. How is it that they seem to get caught flat-footed? Well, I understand the optics of it, and thank you for having me, but I'll I'll just go back a bit. You have likely watched Congress and, and state legislatures do their work. It's often like watching sausage get made. So uh, as it relates to this voting bill, there were several versions of this bill that were being contemplated. And the final version really is something that went through the House and the Senate very quickly. And normally the governor will take his time before signing a bill into law. He has 40 days to sign it into law. Within the hour, he signed this bill into law. So many people had not seen the final version and didn't know what the final version would entail. So I can't speak specifically to specific corporate leaders, uh, but I understand how it, it, it appeared as if people were caught off guard. But I think that was by virtue of the fact that there were so many versions of this bill going through. No one knew what the final bill would look like. Given what is in the final bill, are you surprised or not surprised by the fact that it has become a national story? I'm not surprised. For every action, there will be a reaction. And what we've seen, the reaction to this bill has been as it should. There has been outrage and there's economic fallout. And it's unfortunate because this was an opportunity for the state legislature to take a look at 
what had gone wrong, not in 2020, because there were there were no overwhelming reports of voter fraud or anything like that. But we have traditionally, especially in our more populated urban counties, had very long lines for voting. So there was a real opportunity to make voting easier and more accessible for people across the state. But instead, in the midst of of America watching our democracy get attacked at, at the nation's capital, we then take 10 steps backwards. And it doesn't surprise me that the nation is paying attention, but I also think it's a cautionary tale to other cities and states that if you dial back on access to voting, that there will be fallout that's going to impact people on both sides of the aisle. The most tangible economic fallout so far has obviously been Major League Baseball deciding to pull the All-Star game from Atlanta. There's long been this feeling that if you oppose a law in another state, the best way to try to get that changed is by putting economic pressure. Obviously, that also hurts the people in the area where the pressure is being applied. So did Major League Baseball make a mistake pulling the All-Star game? Well, I won't say they made a mistake. They took a stand. They reacted to what happened in our state. And let me be clear, I I don't like that our state is being boycotted. I don't like it because it's going to hit Metro Atlanta specifically hard. And Metro Atlanta is the economic engine for just about the entire state. And many counties in the metropolitan Atlanta area voted for John Ossoff, Raphael Warnock, Joe Biden, and Kamala Harris. That being said, I understand it and I respect that they have taken a stance and that they have responded to what is being seen as an attack on um, the right to vote in our state. So, no, I, I don't want small businesses to suffer. I don't want our state to lose $100 million potentially in revenue from the All-Star game. But this is what happens when you put laws into place that obstruct people's right to vote. How, how do you recommend that, say, businesses or individuals outside of the state, if they agree with you about this voter law, how they should make their voices heard? Because, again, economic boycott is, you know, historically something that we have we as Americans have done in situations like this. But as you say, and, and Stacey Abrams has said this publicly, too, a lot of the people who get hurt from those economic boycotts in this case are small business owners and others in Georgia. No, absolutely. And what I would say to people across the country, support candidates who believe in in democracy. You can always support candidates economically. You can support candidates by encouraging people who you may know in the state to vote for candidates. And, And this is really what this is all about. When you look at the margin by which Democrats won in the state in November and in January, Republicans are looking to shave off just a couple of points. So if you can keep a few thousand people home here and there and make it more difficult for them to vote, then um, you may have a different election. And it's unfortunate because you win some and you lose some. I've, I've lost a race before. I didn't try and change the rules of engagement when I lost the race. I dusted myself off and I ran again. But unfortunately, that's not what has happened in this state. Do you have concerns about what this kind of entire situation does to your ability to persuade businesses to come to Atlanta? I I am absolutely concerned. So the metropolitan Atlanta area is home to nearly 30 Fortune 500 companies. So not only am I concerned about our ability to attract businesses, 
I'm also concerned about our ability to keep businesses. These are corporations. Many have relocated to our state and many have other options to go to other states. And just as Major League Baseball has chosen to take their business to another city, another state, corporations and businesses can absolutely do the same thing. So what do you, as mayor of Atlanta, do about it? You've not been shy in the past. There have been lawsuits between you and the governor in the past. Is there appetite from your office to sue over this law? Well, we're exploring what our options are. But right now, and in fact, I just signed an executive order that's going to give us the ability to do everything that we possibly can to help people make sure that they're registered to vote, make sure that they have the appropriate ID that's needed to help them vote. So we're going to do everything that we possibly can from the mayor's office. Of course, understanding that this is not about politics. This is about having making sure that our residents have the ID or or understand where polling locations are and, and what the new rules are, et cetera. But we're also going to have to really continue to educate and encourage people to stand in the gap for voters across this state who may not have the ability to cast a vote, meaning we can't go and vote for the president and then wait an additional four years. We've got to show up each and every time in record numbers because there will be some people who won't have access to their absentee ballots, who won't be able to turn their ballots in on time. We've got to stand in the gap for those folk and make a difference in this state. Is one way, I just want to go back though, is one way to do that via litigation, particularly given one of the critiques of this bill has been that it particularly disadvantages large metro areas and advantages rural areas? So there have been several lawsuits that have already been filed by several organizations. So, you know, we'll evaluate on whether or not it is appropriate from the mayor's office to file a lawsuit. But I'm, I'm, pretty confident right now that with all of the lawsuits that have been filed by the various organizations that our day will come in court where this law can be evaluated appropriately. Lots of big Georgia companies, uh, Delta, Coca-Cola, Home Depot, have kind of become part of this story, either for their reaction or lack of reaction. Have you personally been in contact with any of these companies over the past week about the voting law? So I'm I'm talking to a lot of people about a lot of things right now. And, you know, what I would say is it relates to our, our corporations better late than never. They're speaking up and they are expressing what their issues are with this law. And I think that's the most appropriate thing to do right now. We're going to continue to have those conversations. They are going to continue to stand firm. And it is truly my hope that in in 2022, when there are statewide races held across the state, that voters will remember this and show up and make a difference when they cast their votes. You know, historically, Republicans have been viewed as the favored party of big business. Uh, it feels, and this situation seems to be kind of illustrating that, that that dichotomy has flipped a little bit. Is that fair? And you heard Mitch McConnell kind of talk about this yesterday on the other side. Are Democrats and big business now much more aligned on issues that outside, say, of taxes than they have been in the past? Well, I think, again, there are some things that that just completely surpass party lines. 
You can objectively look at this bill. I have it sitting on my desk. All I think it's 98 pages of this bill. And it's very clear uh, that there are things that have been placed in this bill to make it more difficult for people to access their right of right to vote. So I'm grateful that corporations and leaders are looking at this bill and objectively saying there are problems here. I don't know how anyone can take exception with someone passing out a bottle of water in, in, in the dead of summer in Georgia to someone standing in line. So, you know, the other side would say we've done things to, to make it easier and more accessible. Well, even if you did three things to make it easier and more accessible, it's outweighed by the other 100 that you did to make it more difficult. Mayor Lance Bottoms, final question for you. H.R. 1, which is a Voting Rights Act, is currently under consideration in Congress. Do you believe we need national voting standards? I do believe we need national voting standards. I think that it will go a very long way and it will take out the subjective um, ability of disgruntled leaders to obstruct democracy. So I think a national standard is needed. I hope that it passes. And, you know, even if you, you again, look at the Georgia voting bill, they've stripped the secretary of state of power because they weren't happy with decisions that he made during the election. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we, we've got, <laughs> we, we've got a runaway train in our state. And I think to the extent that our federal government can give us guidance and objective criteria, I, I think that will go a very long way. Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Welcome back. What we're watching today is President Biden, who moved up the deadline for states to make all adults eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine from May 1st to April 19th. Why it matters is this reflects increased faith in the amount of available vaccine and of state distribution efforts, both of which were in doubt just a few months ago. Overall, the U.S. is currently administering an average of 3.1 million jabs per day, with more than 40 percent of the adult population having received at least one dose. That said, it is worth noting that the psychological impact of Biden's announcement is probably a bit bigger than the practical one, because only Hawaii and Oregon were planning to expand eligibility later than April 19th. The bottom line is that it's possible the underlying supply optimism that Biden's announcement reflects could cause some other states to move up their deadlines even earlier, hopefully including here in Massachusetts, where I live and have been on an endless pre-registration list. Oh, and one more vaccine note from the White House today. It confirmed that it has no intention of advocating for any sort of federal vaccine passport. And we're done. Big thanks for listening to my producers, Tim Shovers, Naomi Shaven, and Alex Sugiara. Please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not already subscribed, please rectify that situation. Have a great national caramel popcorn day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap. <laughs>